0: This is the Jason Kabnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kabnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day.
1: Hello. And welcome to Jason Kavnis Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. The Jason Kavnis Experience is brought to you by Cavness HR. Kavnis HR, focus on your business, we've got your HR. Our guest today is Erin Longmoon of Zephyr Recruiting. Erin, are you ready to be great today?
0: I sure am.
1: Erin's mission in life is to er- eradicate toxic workplaces. She believes that everyone deserves to love their job and feel like they are contributing to a greater purpose. As the owner of Zephyr Recruiting LLC, she accomplishes this mission by matching great small businesses with the right fit employees. Erin has more than two decades of experience helping small businesses and has owned five businesses herself. The passion to eradicate toxic workplaces comes from a place a lot of us can resonate with. When Erin was an employee at a company with a toxic workplace, she saw firsthand how the culture impacted everyone on a deep level. The toxic workplace reduce morale and producti- 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 productivity follow home and let good employees acquit. Aaron, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. I appreciate it, too. So is this my time? Do yes. I get the air? Awesome. Yes. All right. So I do want to take a quick moment and talk a little bit about Zephyr Recruiting. And, you know, you, you, you introduced our mission, which is to eradicate toxic workplaces, and it is a very near and dear um, uh, mission of mine um, for a variety of reasons that we don't have time to go into. But um, I created Zephyr Recruiting as a first step towards um, living out that mission. And the main way that we do that is we focus on trying to find what we call the right fit employee. And, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on trying to find top talent and the best and the A players and all of that. And none of that is necessarily wrong. But what we want our clients to focus on is what we call the right fit, because an A player to you is a different kind of employee than an A player might be to someone else in a different industry or even your competitor. And part of that is because things like skills and experience and education, they matter. But in our in, in our opinion, what matters more are things like core values, and that core values resonate with your company and employee that it's a good match and they're in alignment. The same thing with you know personality fit, culture fit, you know, things like that. And nobody has to be cookie cutter exactly the same, but if certain things aren't in alignment, then it's going to just erupt and it's not going to work out. And we see that time and again. And so our mission is to be sort of matchmakers in the recruiting world for our business, for our clients. And our clients are small business owners, a lot like yours, and generally under 100 employees or most of our clients. And um, and we charge a really affordable flat fee because we want to serve that community of small business owners. And recruiting is often... Uh, too expensive for them and out of reach for them. And so we've come up with a model that works really well where it's high touch. We're human to human, as well as quality is important to us, but we can all do it for an incredibly affordable fee. So that's a little bit about Zephyr, who we are and what we're all about.
1: So you know, one thing that drives me crazy, like when you, you start a business, of course, you got to, you know, you got to hire, you can hire, right? but A mm-hmm. lot of small business owners are hiring pretty much like mini-me's, right? Right. They're, you know, if they're an extrovert, they hire like other extroverts. Or they if they're good at marketing, they hire other good at marketing people. H- how do you convince small business owners like, no, you need to hire people different from you?
0: That's a really good question. I think um, there's a lot of room for diversity, even when you're hiring for right fit. So again, we distill it down to core values. And in all honesty, that's sort of the foundation. So if you have someone who, for example, a core value to your company is... Um, I don't know, having fun, just something simple. We'll pick something like that. To you and to your team, if you don't have fun every day at work, what's, what's life worth? You know That's important to you. But then you bring on someone who one of their core values is not fun. It's maybe um, being very detail-oriented and their nose-to-the-grindstone kind of person and that high work ethic. And to them, the idea of having fun at work is a waste of time and isn't meaningful to them. So if you bring on someone like that you know, and trying to mesh them into your culture, it's, it's going to be a mismatch and it's going to backfire. And either they are going to um, powerfully take down the morale of your team, which I have seen firsthand more than once. And there is a lot of research that I can't cite off the top of my head, but that shows that you bring in a sour apple and literally within 20 minutes, they can turn the tone of the entire group. Or the opposite, they will not feel like they fit, and they'll leave. You know, one or that—that's usually the end result. And if it's the toxic result, it can take years to fix. So, you know, diversity is important in things like culture backgrounds. You know, things like that, experience—that all can still be very diverse. But if you if you bring in diversity in those like core values, if they rub against each other, then it's going to not work. So that's that's sort of what we we hone in on that piece.
1: Yeah, I know you're talking about the toxic person. When I was in the army, I was in Korea and I went to a new job. And in Korea, you know, people go back for 30 days, right? And so this this um one of the soldiers was on leash and they came back. I was there for two weeks and everything was happy-go-lucky, having a good time. Everyone products. This person came back and like, is just like a veil of darkness went on the workplace, right? Everyone's attitudes changed. It was just like complete turnaround just because she came back, right? It, like, right? it was like crazy. It's
0: powerful, right? I mean, it's powerful. The effects can be really devastating. And I think even more so to small business owners because... It's a small team, so everybody's going to feel it. You can't hide a toxic person, you know, like somewhere over in the corner. And the costs are so high. The cost of rehiring, the cost of possibly losing great team members, those can sometimes really devastate a small business in a way that, you know, larger businesses probably can bounce back from fairly easily. So that's another reason why we focus on small businesses. It's, It's a very important issue. Very important issue.
1: So Aaron, today, while we're we're doing this recording, it's April 24th, 2020. We're in the middle of COVID-19. A lot of of small businesses, only reason I know that because I looked on my calendar because I have no idea (laughs) what the day and time it is. Yeah, right.
0: You're on quarantine. We talked about that, quarantine. Yep.
1: A lot of small businesses have already made layoffs or about to make layoffs. Yes. Can you talk about how they should be doing this, the right way to both take care of the employees and also protect their (laughs) employer brand and... You know, when they have to lay off people, how they should keep in touch with these people to, you know, keep that bridge open in order to bring them back, if that's a possibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can share what we're doing and how it's working because, um, well, a couple of reasons. We're virtual as it is, so we're 100% virtual. So this idea of staying connected in a virtual world is already something that we have to embrace and face that challenge. And then we have, you know, truth be told, we've had to lay off a portion of our team as well. A lot of small business employers as you said have kind of halted hiring right now and it makes a ton of sense why they're doing that um you know for the inner, for the beginning when no one knew what was going on and so we've had to do the same thing and so i can share how we're we're maintaining that connection um, in terms of uh i can't you asked something early so if i don't end up answering your whole question please bring that back up but um some of the things that we're doing is even though people are laid off you know we are offering opportunities to stay connected as a whole team um, where we're doing at least once a week, we are still holding our weekly meeting and we are making it elective because of the layoff situation. And so we're trying to just tell people, this is a time to come. Let's just talk as a team. Let's get connected. We want to hear how things are going for you. And I can tell you that every week, every one of our employees is showing up for that, even the laid off ones. So it's been so great because it also is showing us who's committed to our company, who's committed to our mission. And, you know, they're taking the time out of homeschooling and dealing with the things that they're dealing with at home to show up for us as a team. Um, We've also done some fun things. We had, you know, like a lunch and learn. And again, it was, we're keeping things elective because of this layoff, right? Like we can't, we can't, um, at least in my understanding is I can't make them be here, but I'm encouraging them to be here. Um, So we're doing lunch and learn still. And then the other thing we're doing is we use Slack as a communication tool in our team. And I'm putting up fun stuff on Slack. They're putting up fun stuff. You know, we'll take photos of fun things we're doing. Like in my family, we um, decided to celebrate National Piñata Day, which was just last Saturday. So we got a piñata in the mail and filled it. And, you know, and I sent that out to my team just being like, and what are you guys doing? You know, what kind of fun things are you guys trying to, you know, incorporate into your life right now? And sure enough, team members are just popping photos up there. So we're just trying to stay engaged by asking fun questions, you know, and, and and providing opportunities for us to get together as a team virtually. And then the other step that I encourage any manager or business owner to do is to call your people once a week, individually. And that's what I've been doing. If you have a team of 100 or so people, you're gonna have to divide that up. I understand that doesn't work for everybody. But as much as you can, call everyone once a week and check in and just get a pulse on how they're feeling, how they're doing, and talk about your future. That's the other thing I'm doing as a CEO of Zephyrs. I'm talking about the future a lot. I'm like, here's what we're working on now. That you know we're doing some infrastructure stuff. We're working on our business during this coronavirus time because we've got some freedom to do that right now, and we're trying to seize this opportunity. And so I'm sharing all of that with the team. I'm helping them like see. This is going to end someday. It will. So, you know, what do we want to focus on? And I'm trying to stay positive and focus on the future. And so those are some of the things that we're doing.
1: So I think that uh, all your people are still, you know, coming back, voluntarily. I think that's a testament to you, a compliment to you and the company you built. Thank you. Yes. Uh, So what I'm hearing you saying is the the wrong way to do this is, hey, employee X, thank you for your two (laughs) years. You're laid off. I'll call you sometime in the future.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's not a great way to do it. Definitely not. <laughs> and even the, you know, once every few weeks kind of connection is, you know, I would, I would, I would definitely suggest more frequent touch points than that and making it a very conscious and intentional thing that you're doing to stay connected to your team. Especially the one, you know, if you are a business that plans on bringing everyone back or at least a good portion back, you really do need to nurture that connection. Otherwise, especially because once you do bring them back, you want people to be able to just get up and running, right? Like nothing ever happened almost as best you can. You know, we'll all, we'll all talk about how it was for us and stuff. But you want people to be able to just go, all right, I'm back at work and I'm ready to go rather than this sort of awkward, you know, maybe disconnection and, you know, kind of like everybody's starting for the first day. You know, it's almost going to be like, well, this is my first day at this company. What do I do now? And you don't want that. You want that it's such a connection that people will just be ready to go on as soon as you're ready to open the doors. this will help that a lot.
1: And one thing I think small business owners have to be careful over they do layoffs. Like suppose you have a 30 people in your company, you know, you know, you got like, you know, I got to lay off 10 people. Mm -hmm. And however you do your metrics, how to decide you lay off like all the females, right? That opens up up all, all, all some kind of demographic, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it opens it up to like, you know, maybe discrimination lawsuits, right? So I think you got to be very careful how you do your layoffs.
0: I would definitely as well. You should have some serious justification about why you chose who you chose. And, you know, I'm not compliant. You are, Jason. So you need to chime in. But I would definitely write those things down, document. Like, I'm choosing these people because, and, you know, for us, it was the people who didn't. We didn't have open requisitions for them or that we completed them right before the, you know, the lay or the, um, coronavirus, the quarantine, and we don't have anything new for them. So it makes sense why they are the ones, right? Yeah, Whereas I, think, like our, uh, I think a
1: lot of small business owners, they do, you know, you know, what's, what's, what's the thing, you know, first hired, you know, you no know, less hired. Oh, first so off, already, you know? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I, I think you can't do it. Like I think you got to base it on productivity and other metrics, right?
0: Yes. 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 And again, that's more your own, but yeah. I would definitely say that because I mean, why would, why would you pick to lay off certain people than others if it isn't tied to productivity? I guess I have a hard time understanding you know, the logic behind that. If you want to be a savvy, smart business owner, you need to be looking at like, how is this affecting my business? And so who makes sense to lay off if, if, I, if I don't have to lay off everybody? And so who's going to help you stay productive during this time? Maybe you're shifting gears like, you know, some of the com- like ours and working on your business, doing some infrastructure stuff. Who on your team can help you with that? And the other thing I'll chime in about that is look outside the typical box. You know, I've got a team of recruiters, and there's talent in there. They're recruiters, but there's some people in there who have amazing administrative skills. And right now, I I need some documents and new forms and things. So I can engage them and maybe even keep them employed by shifting what they do a little bit. Now, again, they have to be willing and I ask and they say yes or no or whatever, but they've got strengths that maybe you haven't been able to capitalize on that you can now utilize and keep them employed. So there's, you know, especially tiny, tiny employers. I mean, we have a team of eight. So we're a very small employer, you know, team. So um, that's been really amazing. And it's helped keep those people engaged too. So it's been a win-win for both of us.
1: Erin, so it says your life mission is to get rid of toxic workplaces. Yeah. Can you define exactly what is a toxic workplace?
0: Oh, you know, there's ta- there's various definitions. I mean, I think it's a really great question, Jason. Um, it's like we all know what it is when we've experienced it, but putting in words is a little more challenging. Um, definitely with a type of place where people come in and, a, and, a, and not one person maybe, but where a bulk of the people who are walking into work and they are feeling stress, they feel just automatic stress coming to work, or they feel fear coming to work, or they are sad coming to work, or they have a physical reaction to coming to work, which happened to me once. You know, I realized I had to leave a job and I, every time I drove up and found the parking lot, I started to get nauseous like literally nauseous. So I'm like, why am I, you know, what's going on? And it, it was my first sign that I needed to take a serious look at what was happening at work. Um, but, you know, I'll be honest, in my opinion, and for what I've seen over my many years of working is toxic workplaces can be created from the top and they can be created from the bottom. It is no one single person's fault. And there's a lot of finger pointing always going on, but that isn't, I really have seen it happen both ways. You can hire a toxic person and it can create a toxic workplace, or it could be the leadership is toxic or the owner is toxic. It just, you know, comes from all different places. But what it ends up looking like ultimately is a very tense, stressful, unhappy, often, you know, a lot of negative words kind of environment to work in.
1: Can you talk about how like one workplace might have a great culture, well, that cost will not be a fit for another place.
0: Yeah absolutely. Um, let me see if I can come up with a great example I and mean, we definitely have them running around with our clients but um, I know one. So we work in we work for a variety of industries by the way um, as of right now. we've got a lot of industries to work with but one of them is accounting and we have an accountant client who is a very unusual accounting firm it is not your typical stereotype that you would see so they have fun together they're very into crossfit they do crossfit together twice a week they do you know comedy and improv classes together i mean it's a really unusual kind of place they wear shorts during the summer with birkenstocks they're often wearing their ski gear or at least have it hanging over their shoulder when they come in the winter because they are near a ski resort And so, they're a super active group of people, really different. And they definitely, before they came to us, they were getting a lot of the unfortunate but stereotype type of accountants. And we were looking for a senior accountant for them. And they were getting a lot of your traditional. They were showing up in suit and ties. And again, that nose to grindstone, certain detail-oriented, that's important. But they were not a good like, culture fit or personality fit. And their core values weren't in alignment with, with this company. So they were going through a lot of people. And so when we came on board, we helped them identify who this right fit employee is. That's one of the first things we do is we create a right fit employee profile. And it drills down to all those different components that make someone a right fit. You can kind of liken it to thinking of your ideal client, actually. It's really similar to that. Which you talked, you touched upon appointment brand marketing. I'd love to talk about that next if we can. Um, but so you know, we were able to hone in that these guys are not your typical accounting firm. So how do we attract and find the not typical accountant? You know, and so we had to do some employment brand marketing. We had to create a different kind of recruiting experience that would help draw in that right kind of fit person and also repel out the wrong kind of person. And we did that through improvisational comedy. We actually used improvisational comedy in the recruiting process a little bit. And it's just a little te- a little tease. It was nothing huge, but it was a part of the interview process. And it was fun. And the people who embraced it just stood out as the candidates that were the ones that were the right fit. And it just really helps to helped us hone in on those right people. So there's sure, an example. I'm sure
1: it. most of them are like, what in the world is going on? I'm, hey, not doing yes. no, I'm not doing a skip <laughs> for an accounting job. Are you crazy?
0: Yeah, are you crazy? And you know what I mean, would you? I don't know. I even was like, wow, I don't know if I'd be willing to step up and do that. But, you know, it's it, that's what's so great about a process like that, where the process is also in alignment with your culture. If your recruiting process is in alignment, it's going to help you hone, hone into that right fit employee. So that's something to think about when you're, you know, it's not just throughout your post and, you know, get your resume and, you know, s- these guys fit the main boxes and in interview. It's it's good to bring in different components of your culture into that, including the post itself. You know, the post itself should reflect your culture.
1: Yeah. So the right. example I use, like I haven't, I've never worked these two places. I have lots of friends who have is Starbucks and Amazon. Yes. So Starbucks, yes. you know, yes. I pretty much heard you, you know, it's first 30 days, you don't, you don't do no work. You just walk around, collaborate, meet people, mm-hmm. you know, build relationships, you know, or Amazon, you know, you work, you better, you know, get to it like right away. Right. right. So if you, if you, if you go to Amazon, to Starbucks with that Amazon attitude, you're not going to make it. If you go to Starbucks and vice versa, you're not going to make it either. Right. So.
0: Yep. Yep. That's an ex- excellent example, especially on the big level that probably a lot of people will know. Um, so true, so true. Which brings us to kind of the employment brand marketing, which I think was part of your question earlier. Yes. Was how do you re- preserve your employee brand, right, or yes. your employment brand? So um, part of part of I think what's important right now is if you are a company that is doing employment brand marketing, which is basically marketing to your target employee, your ideal employee, um, is that you share what you're doing. You know, so if you are doing those weekly touch points, if you are having a lunch and learn, if you are having weekly meetings, even though half your team is laid off, however you're engaging with your team right now when they're laid off, share that. You find ways to share that. You don't want to do it as a toot your horn kind of thing, but just share it authentically. You know, uh, this is, we put up little images of our, you know, Zoom, we do screenshots of our Zoom meetings that they look like the Brady Bunch, you know, like we're the Brady Bunch. And, you know, we put it up there. And for example, we, we also celebrated National Pajama Day, Wear Your Pajama to Work Day. So we all got in our pajamas and we had our meeting in our pajamas and we took a little screenshot and we put it up in social media. And we're like, we are finding ways to stay engaged with our team. And I will say, you know, like, I am so happy that my team is showing up. This is awesome. I love you all so much. Show your love. And keep doing it. Don't stop right now just because you've got a team that's laid off. This is a really great time to share how you are what we call an employer of choice. And when people in this economy, you know, we've got high unemployment right now. And people are choosing right now to take this opportunity to leave their job. Good quality people are choosing to leave their job and look for a new opportunity. We are seeing it firsthand. So we know this is happening. So it's a great time to attract those people right now by showing how cool you are or what a great place to work you are. And if you're not a fun, if you guys don't do silly string wars or, you know, have beer Fridays, that's okay. That's the other thing is don't apologize for your culture, own your culture, but reflect your culture because there is just like there's supposedly a soulmate for everybody. I don't know if that's true, but there's, there's soulmate employees for everybody. So if you are a serious nose to the grindstone kind of company, be that, own it, share it, show it, and that's who you'll attract. And yeah. that's really important. I didn't and think this is you a gotta, great time I, to do it.
1: I definitely got to own it, right? Because I remember a few, when I got out of the army a few years ago, I was looking for a job. And one company I looked at, they're all like avid bicyclists, right? I mean, avid bicyclists. Oh, right? they, yeah. They even had the bicycles... On the office, right? I said this ain't the place for me because I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big bicycle guy, right? So right, I, I right. immediately knew this would not be the company for me, right? So yeah. I definitely think by doing that, you distract, you uh, distract the people from applying right. for your company,
0: which is only going to help you, right? As an employer, that's only going to help you because then you don't have to go through the mound of wrong fit resumes, right? And I mean, with this high unemployment, it's going to shift. We've seen. Such low unemployment, record low unemployment for the last few years, and that has made it to where you might get five, right? Five people might actually apply to your job if you put it out there. Well, it's about to shift. And if this unemployment rate stays as high as it is, you're going to get thousands. In the recession, there were employers who were getting literally 2,000 resumes per role. It's It's overwhelming. So, by doing employment brand marketing, own your brand, live your brand, breathe it, and show it to the world, you are going to help. You still may get those 2,000, but it's going to be so easy to flow through those and figure out which ones are the right ones and which ones aren't. So, I, yeah, we really, really recommend employment brand marketing highly to the sure. small, small business owner. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about the 2020 grads real quick. A few oh. months ago, the world was an oyster, you know. Great plans of graduating. The job market was great. And now, I mean, everything's canceled. The job market is not the best. What advice do you have for them to move forward? Oh,
0: Jason. I mean, my heart breaks. I'll be honest. I mean, I have family members. I have multiple family members who are graduating from high school. I've got a couple that are actually graduating from college and it's just devastating for both of them. At least the college kids have somewhere that they're going to go to college. It may be virtual and weird at first, but you know, their dreams are squashed. They've been looking at this senior year moment for their whole lives. Right. And the same thing with college. And, you know, I, I, I probably don't have the best advice. I think you should chime in, too, if you've got some great advice. I mean, these are my, I will say back in the recession, this happened to me. I actually went back to school and got a second, you know, my second time around. And when I graduated, it was the recession, literally the same year. You know, it just tanked. And at the time, I happened to be in interior design. So, I mean, we're talking no jobs because the entire construction community just went zero in a, you know, in a matter of a month. So there were no jobs. So what did I do? (laughs) Because I'm an entrepreneurial spirit, I started my own interior design firm. So I mean, that's one thing you could consider is just if you're that type of person who can create work for yourself, create a job, there is not no workout. And I I know it's probably not the best English, but there is work out there. It just may not look traditional. There are industries that are booming. You might want to look at those and see how can you help, what kind of job, what kind of the place is there for you there. You can create your own thing if you can. I know it's not the best advice for everybody, but you know, the only other thing I can say is stay positive. This is going to end. Um, I, you know, nobody has a crystal ball. I wish we did. So it would be a different conversation if we did. But so we don't know for sure what the economy is going to look like. We're getting very different, very, very opposite kinds of information about that, whether it's going to boom after because everybody is just so ready to go or whether or not we're going to go into a full-blown recession. So I don't know. But I would say just hold on to hope. And in the meantime, one thing you can do that just came to me is just network. Network as best you can. Um, if I were in looking, I'm going to actually twist this for a moment, put myself in their shoes. If I know that I needed a job and I know there's nothing available, I'd probably actually start looking for companies that I wanted to work for. And I, you know, again, that's where employment brand marketing comes in. I would probably start doing some research on that. Which ones look like a place that would be a good fit for me? And I would probably start reaching out and say, I know you're not hiring right now, but I think we're a good fit. I think I've got something I can offer you when you are ready. Can we talk? You know, Can we have a conversation? And you might actually get a little bit more yeses to that question right now because people are slower. People do have more space. There's a little bit more of a sense of compassion and humanness to our interactions right now. So I don't know. What else? What do you think, Jason? Do you have any ideas? I mean, of
1: course, everyone's economic situation is different, right? But... If you can afford it, maybe stay in school, get your master's degree.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. Or, or, or
1: maybe, you know, you know, maybe you have somewhere to stay, you know, maybe you can go back to your parents' house and stay. But like you said, definitely network, 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 which you should be doing all the time. And I would reach out to startups, you know. Excellent idea. What
0: industries do you think would be good for that? Because there's startups in every industry.
1: So Yeah. I what mean, Because all, all startups need marketing, tacking. they all need sales, mm-hmm. obviously tech, you know, because a lot of people think, you know, startups only not need software development. No, no, they need business development, operations, they need the whole thing, right? Right. So I think there's opportunity too. And then like, but of course, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe you got to take a job, you know, being a cashier at a grocery store. Maybe you got to, you know, you got to do what you got to do, right?
0: Yes, there is that too. And there's... A lot of jobs being added right now in those spaces. Delivery, you know, I know people are making $30 an hour being a delivery driver for, you know, Uber Eats. So yeah. it's not, a, you know, if you need to make money, that's not a bad way to go. It'll also show future employers that you were industrious and you didn't just sit back and treat this like a vacation. So because that's another thing.
1: I mean uh, there are companies that are hiring right? As yes, many, there are.
0: Oh yeah, and actually on LinkedIn, I think if you google like companies still or companies that, who are hiring right now and add in LinkedIn, they're updating a list all the time. Uh, I saw, and I saw how that. many jobs? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And there are companies that are hiring 30, 40,000 jobs or 100 plus 1,000 jobs right now. They need people. Um, the SBA needs people desperately. You know, yeah. that's another organization. The other thing that came to mind is think about offering yourself as an intern. You know, maybe you can work part time at an Uber Eats or something if you need the cash. But whether you do need the cash or you don't, this might be an opportunity to get your foot in the door at a company. You know, if somebody came to me and said, "Wow, Aaron, I love your business and what you are doing. Can I intern for you right now for free to help you do something?" I'd be like, "Yes," because we are putting infrastructure things in place and we could absolutely use the help so you might think about that as another way of getting your foot in the door right and then impress them and then boom you probably will get a job offer as soon as they're able
1: and moving on yeah you've owned five companies so far (laughs) yeah does being an entrepreneur get any easier the more you do it
0: no. Well, okay. So my journey is a little different. Most of my jobs, I will admit, have been mostly me. I've had others that had employees, but mostly it's been me, more freelance type of, you know, employing myself. And then I had two other jobs where I had, I had a house clean company, which got me through my second, you know, going to school a second time. And I had employees. And in my interior design firm, I had a couple of employees. And then, and now here where I've got a bigger company. And every time I face different challenges and every time I face different issues. And of course, being entrepreneur right now in this COVID thing, whoa, right? I mean, you're a business owner. Did you ever think this was going to be a part of your CEO training? I didn't. So we're all flying by the seat of our pants. So no, it does not get any easier. Certain aspects do. I mean, I know how to start up a company in my sleep. I mean, I know everything I need to do to get a company up and running. But, you know, leadership, the teams are different. That's a different leadership challenge just by simply having different teams and the dynamics and marketing challenges. Marketing is changing all the time and I cannot keep up with that. Um, And then stuff like this, recessions, COVID, that kind of stuff is hardcore training for sure. So no, it doesn't get much easier, but I love it. It's so fun. To me, it's fun. I I love it. It is fun. It is fun. Mm -hmm.
1: Sarah, we're going to change the subject a little bit. Okay. Talk about your time as an interior architect.
0: Oh, yeah? <laughs> what do you want to know? Anything specific or just... No,
1: just just anything just you want what to it
0: was. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. So, I was very passionate about interior architecture. I always have been when I was a young... This was one of the things that was like, oh, that's what you were meant to do your whole life. So, even as a young girl, I would, you know, go to the bathroom at a restaurant and come back and all I could talk about is everything that was in the bathroom. The way it was appointed and the sink and the faucet and... You know, so it's kind of like in my blood to love interior spaces and the way we relate to them. So it just made sense to me. I I will be honest, when I graduated, it was in the 80s from high school, I didn't know interior architecture was an option. Like I really had no idea. So that's not the way I went. And then when I finally realized it was an option and it just kept pulling at me, I decided to go back to school. I got a degree in interior architecture and then I went out. I told you it was the recession. So I started my own gig at first. It was residential and it was hard it was a hard time to do it. So I eventually, after about two years, which still the recession was kind of happening, I went and got a job. And I did commercial, residential, senior living. I mean, I've, I've kind of done multiple types. And I love commercial the best, I will say. But um, residential has another special place in my heart. But during that segment of my career, which I ended not very long into it, less than 10 years, it was probably some of the most toxic workplaces that I've ever, ever worked. And um, it's so interesting you bring this up, Jason, because I haven't thought about this in a while. I'll be honest, I haven't. And it was in like 2008 after my fa- my father passed away suddenly in 2007. And it shook my world, you know, just losing someone just quickly like that with no warning is a very jarring kind of thing to your world. And it made me reevaluate my life, which I think is not an uncommon reaction to something like that. You realize how life is so short and so precious. And I realized that I was not, I was loving what I was doing day to day sometimes, but I I was not happy in that industry. And I kind of shut my door on it and kind of never looked back. And it was, I've always wondered why I've thought about it many times, but I think in this conversation right now, I'm having an aha moment that it is because it's an incredibly, for me, it was an incredibly toxic environment. And I don't think that that's anybody's fault. It's actually more my fault than anybody else's, which is a totally other discussion, Jason, that we can have if you want. But, but that's, that's what it is. It ended, it ended in 2008 because it just wasn't, it, it culturally speaking, ultimately, it was not the right fit for me.
1: And that's how you transfer it to the recruiting world
0: well sort of I've been recruiting actually on and off ever since the beginning of my career I would work I've always worked for small companies small small companies and so they often needed us to wear multiple hats right that's how it is you you've got a team of five people and everybody's got to do different things so I was often pegged as the recruiter as someone to do the interviewing and the hiring for the for the company so I've been doing it since 1995 I'm really going to date myself since 1995, I have been peppered recruiting all throughout the, that time, and, um, and then it became a very big part of my functioning, part of my job after interior design. The first job I took after interior design, I was an office manager, and one of my primary functions was, was HR and recruiting, and that's where I really honed my craft because they were very similar to my mindset. It's like, you need to bring on the right people, and we were very picky And we needed just the right people. So I really honed that craft during that position. And then I went off to be a business coach because I love business so much. And then I pivoted that to being recruiter, which is a whole other story as to why I did that. But it just made the most sense. I'll say it that way is the simplest answer.
1: Erin, you have a remote company. Talk about some of the challenges of running a remote company.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up, especially right now, because a lot of people are all of a sudden finding themselves remote, right? And they've never been remote before. Um, I honestly think that, you know, there's the initial startup. That was a challenge. But probably our biggest challenge that we're that I work on and think about all the time is, how do I actually grow and develop and nurture a company culture when we're virtual? You know, I would love more than anything to do Taco Tuesdays with my team or to do Silly String Wars, like I mentioned before. We're a very fun company, by the way, if you, if you haven't. If you can't tell, we tend to have fun. So it's like, how can we do that? How do we maintain that connection? And how do we get that culture to infuse into everybody and what we're doing every day from a virtual standpoint when we only see each other on Zoom maybe once, twice, three times a week at the most? And the rest of the time, we're off working, doing our own thing. And that, to me, because obviously culture is that piece of this is so passionate for me, is is our biggest challenge. So we just have to keep it forefront of mind all the time and seize every moment we can to celebrate ourselves as a team. And I've just decided, actually, I'll tell you, just yesterday, I'm like, that's it. I'm going to assign a fun ambassador to our team. And I'm going to see, I'm going to talk to my team, figure out who wants to do this. And it's like, I want you to be the fun ambassador. And I want you to look out for fun opportunities for us. What kind of fun, silly national holidays can we celebrate? What kind of, you know, just... Funny, like we can do Taco Tuesdays. We might be in four time zones. So it might be taco breakfast tacos for some of the team and lunch tacos for the other part of the team. But we can do that, right? Like we can do that. So um that's that's our biggest challenge. And so we can't I have to keep it at the forefront of my mind all the time. Like almost daily, I think about that a little bit.
1: Aaron, can you tell us some of the tools you use for your company? Some what? Some of the tools.
0: Like are you talking about like system systemization yeah, systems, yeah. tools? Systems yeah, like we Slack use? or whatever. Yeah, this is one of my big things. We need to systemize better, but we are using Slack like endlessly for our team communications. We use Trello for project management, over you know, and even our to-do list. A lot of us use it as our own personal to-do. List, so we use Trello a lot, and we sync the two and use the integrations um, on Slack. We've gotten really excited about Donut. Have you heard of Donut yet,
1: Jason? No, I haven't. Okay, so
0: Donut is really fun. It is an app that an integrated app that you sign up for within Slack. And it, it like um, I can't think of the word, but it um, it picks at random. That's what it is. Random. It randomly picks people from your team to get together and have a donut. You know, like your coffee donut thing. And so if you're if you're connected, once we all get back together, you can literally go have lunch with that person if you want to. But obviously, for us, we have to do it virtual. And for a lot of people right now, during quarantine, we would have to do it virtual. But it virtual. but you're not supposed to talk about business at all. It is just getting two people. Sometimes there's three of us. To get just connected and kind of socialize, and it intention it makes it happen intentionally instead of leaving it to chance. So we're loving donut. Um, from the back-end side of things, um, we have been using like just relatively free or low cost CRMs and ATS in our own version of an ATS. But we're about to systemize, and we're uh, looking at Zoho One. And I think that's probably what we're going to implement is Zoho One. It's fully, into. are you familiar with that one?
1: Yeah, I actually, so use, I actually use Zoho Books, my book.
0: Oh, do you? Okay, so Zoho Books is one of the apps. So Zoho One has the 45 different apps that you can integrate and use and you can plug in what you want, and what you what you don't need. So that's what we're going to go with. Um, and that's one of the things we're hoping to implement this year. And that will be, that'll integrate all of our and uh, kind of processes and it will help us automate more, which is one of the things that as a small business, we're struggling with is automation. But, you know, we're making it work.
1: Erin, you already talked about this, but can you expand on what makes your company different from other recruiting companies?
0: Yeah, I think, I think when it comes down to really our heart, um, you know, there's the logistics. We're flat fee. You know, we're all about the right fit. We get to know our clients. We are really an extension of our clients. So we dive in deep with them, who they are, what their culture is. We interview their employees. I mean, we have an extensive onboarding process with our clients. We really understand who they are and we embody them then as we go out and try to find the right fits for them. Um, And we represent them and we take that seriously. But I think ultimately it's our heart. We really care about people and we care about making this experience a very positive one for both candidates and for the client and candidates tell us that this is like the best recruiting experience they've ever had. We hear that over and over and over again. And they feel like they are being treated like human beings. And we make sure that they know that what they want matters to us as much as what our clients want. Because if it's not a fit, it's not a fit for either one, right? And it's not going to work for either one. And so we really, its like ultimately, the underneath it all is that we really care. And we love what we're doing.
1: Erin, you did a LinkedIn post yesterday talk about this as an actual opportunity for small business. Yeah. Can you talk about that?
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, I have really gone through a big mindset shift. You know, the first couple of weeks of this coronavirus thing, right, it was scary and everybody felt it. We're not sure what to do, kind of paralyzed. But I am now shifting out of that. My head's coming out of the fog and I'm starting to see this is a time of opportunity. And I really, as an owner, and I believe this for all business owners, is it is a time to seize this moment and take a hold of that opportunity. So what we're actually sharing um, with a lot of our clients, again, is that employment brand marketing and a lot of small business owners don't do it. And you talked about Starbucks, you talk about Amazon, people know Costco, people have an idea of what it's like to work there. They have a reputation as an employer. Now we need to distill that down to the small business owner because you're competing for those same people, right? Like You want good people on your team and you need to... Beat out sometimes some of these bigger players and even medium-sized players. How do you do that? Well, you have to show why you're an employer of choice. Why should they work for you? So we're talking to our clients. We've been coaching our clients on this a lot, but now we're turning it into like a bona fide thing. And we've got a really great checklist now that, that I'm going to share with your listeners. I'll tell them how to get this at the end. That sort of walks you through a process, a really effective process to set up your employment brand marketing and um, we're also going to be hosting a webinar. So depending on, I know this is live, but depending on when your viewers or your listeners hear this, we're, it's on May seventh. So might be after that, but if it's before May seventh, we are having a live webinar where we are. It's super heavily educational. We're we're developing seven to eight different tools to help people walk through this process. But this is all about attracting that right fit employee. So I think this is an opportunity right now during this COVID crisis to work on your business and position yourself to just. After this is over. And obviously for us, employment brand marketing should be a big part of that.
1: Erin, how do you figure out if a potential client is actually a good match for your company?
0: Oh, so good. I, I I take an hour or more, sometimes an hour and a half, to talk to them about their business. I ask a lot of probing questions. I think of it, I put on what I call like my detective hat or my coaching hat, which are really similar. So I ask really meaningful questions. I ask about values. But I don't just say, what are your values that you've written down on a, you know, here, I've got this little dream, achieve, succeed, whatever it says, dream, believe, achieve, right? Somebody could say that's their core values. But I go, okay, cool. So tell me how you guys do that. What do you guys do in your company to do that? You know, what kinds of ways do you live out your values? And, I, and that's important to us. We don't have to have the same values necessarily as our clients by any means, but we need to know that they authentically live them, that they're true core values, because that's what we're going to be recruiting for. Um, and, and I basically, it comes down to one of our immutable laws or one of our core values is no jerks. Like we will not work for jerk employers. So if they have a positive attitude about their employees, if they love their team, if they're committed to creating a great place to work, if they see that their human beings are their most valuable asset in their business, far more so in the service and their books and their bank account, those are the right clients for us. And I, and I just hone in on that in a discovery call. Ask a
1: lot of questions. So your clients are actually, actually an employer, correct?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So what if, like, an employee John Brown is looking for a job? Can they reach out to you and say, "Hey, Zephyr Recruiting, I'm John Brown.
0: Can yeah, you, do you have so anything for me? We, yes, people do, and they do. They see us, and they do. Um, and so, if we have something and it seems like a great fit, we will absolutely do that. Um, you know, so we'll help them in that way. We also give candidates a lot of advice sometimes about how to help them if i can't if we don't have a position for you right now by learning what it is you're looking for i might be able to point you in a new direction that you hadn't thought of before so we we definitely do that um we don't get hired by candidates to go out and try to find them a job that's a different model and that isn't the way we work but candidates are welcome to reach out to us Lily,
1: so aaron as a small business owner what kind of hr challenges do you have
0: Oh, you know, you touched upon it. I honestly think, cause I thought about this. I honestly think that our biggest challenge with HR is that idea of staying connected as a virtual team. And so it isn't the compliance. And I know that can be a challenge for a lot, but we're not a heavily compliant, like, you know, we don't have a lot of regulations that are over us. So we're lucky that way. Um, and, you know, the way we recruit and all of that is, is very in alignment with the equal opportunity employer laws and things like that. So um, our biggest challenge day to day is just how do I stay connected and how does my team feel like they are a part of a company and they're part of a team, even though they're working in the little corner office in their bedroom over in Idaho or, you know, because we've got people all over the country. So it's it, that that honestly is our biggest challenge. And I think we're doing a great job, but I'm not going to ever get complacent about it.
1: So that brings up a good question. So you have people all across the United States and each state, each area has a different culture, right? How do you like wrap it all around like your company culture, the culture in Idaho, because things, you know, everywhere is different. How do you figure all that out?
0: Well, um, that's a really good question. If I understand what you're asking me, it goes back to that honing in on people whose personal core values are in alignment with Zephyr's core values. So the culture. What I I love cultural diversity, right? Like the culture, the cultural components of Idaho versus Oregon versus Texas. Versus here in Cleveland, I mean, definitely different. And that's awesome. Like, we all bring that up and celebrate that. And I try to model that, by the way. It starts with me in that I, I, you know, if somebody brings up some interesting cultural component of where they live, I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. Tell us more about that. You know, and then I'll say, so what other funky things do you guys have going on where you live? And, you know, so we embrace that cultural diversity by making sure that it's welcomed here and that it can be showcased here and honored and celebrated. But when it comes down to who we pick, it still comes down to that. Your personal core values need to be in alignment with our core values. You need to buy into our mission and be passionate about what we're up to. Otherwise, you know, it's just not going to be the right fit for us no matter where you live. So that's kind of how we deal with that.
1: I think a good example, I'm from Texas. So I live in mm-hmm. Seattle now. Every time I go home to Texas, I go to the grocery store, go out, everyone, hey, darling, have a good day, oh, yeah. you know? But you know, that's not happening in Seattle. No one's calling me darling in Seattle, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, it's so true. I actually lived in Dallas, Texas. That's one good, I've lived all over this country, which has served me well at this point, because I know, I have no preconceived notions, right, and no stereotypes, or very few, and I'm very conscious when they show up, right? I'm like, whoa, that's stereotype, where'd that come from? Um, but, you know, and then I challenge myself, but it's, um, it, it, you are very right. Very, very right. The kinds of culture and so- social norms that happen in a place like Texas versus Seattle is very different. Like that's, what's so cool, right? Like we have someone on our team from Texas and he's saying y'all all the time. And it's awesome. You know, we just, we love that.
1: I mean, I could just imagine if I was a store in Seattle, someone said, thank you, darling. Everyone would like head over to turn look know. at that person like,
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's interesting. The the bias stuff is really important. And that's, you know, I'm, again, not a huge expert. I pay attention, you know, because it matters to me, but I'm not a diversity and inclusion expert by any means. But, um, you know, what I try to emulate and model and what we try to, the kinds of people we bring on our team is that they get the social differences and we embrace them. And we don't take them personally. It is not personal if somebody comes from Texas and says, thanks, darling, appreciate you or whatever that, you know, that's, that's their culture. It has nothing to do with, you know, yeah. But then you have to respect the people in a place like Seattle where that might come across offensive or they might be, you know, that's not the kind of thing that you would say there and go, okay, I'm in a different place. Maybe <laughs> I need to temper this a little bit while I'm here. You know, it's, it's a game. It's unfortunately, and it's an important one, but it's hard. It's hard to keep up with, for sure, sometimes. But here at Zephyr, we just try to embrace the difference.
1: Celebrate Aaron, them. Aaron, I'm just you, you have a, a gift for our listeners.
0: Oh, I do. Yeah, it was the checklist I mentioned before. So we have this really cool employment brand marketing checklist. We spent quite a bit of time where we broke out all the different steps and phases that you, you know, if you're interested in starting employment brand marketing, or even if you're doing it, but you're not sure you're doing it quite, thoroughly enough or well, then this checklist will be a huge, huge help. And so that is um, on our website and it's a special address just for your listeners. And it's, so it's Zephyrrecruiting.com forward slash Cavness spelled obviously the way you spell your name, C-A-V-N-E-S-S. And so that is there for them. And then you will also, once you get that, there are three videos that will come after that to help you walk through each phase. And talk to you a bit about what, why why each phase is what it is, and why we broke it down this way, and why they're important. And then again, if you do want to join us on our May seventh webinar, you are welcome to do that. It's Three o'clock Eastern time. Um, and as of right now, so there is a hundred dollar cost for that because it's he- heavily robust and very educational. But I will give your listeners a fifty percent off um, if they would like to to do that and do it for fifty dollars. So um, they can. I'm trying to. Think, they should probably email me if they'd like to do that. My email, which I'd like to give you anyway, is Aaron, E R I N, at ZephyrRecruiting.com. And Zephyr is Z E P H Y R. And then the word recruiting.com.
1: Thank you, Aaron. That's very valuable. Yeah. Next, your social media. Can you follow your social media? Can you give us your social media for both yourself and your company so people can reach out to you?
0: Yeah. So primarily, we're on LinkedIn and Facebook right now. Those are our primary channels. And both are the same. You can find me, Aaron Longmoon. So Long Moon is L-O-N-G-M-O-O-N, just like it sounds. Or you can just type in Zephyr Recruiting and you'll find us. And so on both channels or on both, both avenues, LinkedIn or Facebook.
1: And for our listeners, you can find you can find the links to her gift and her social media and on the blog at www.canvashrblog.com. And be sure to share this episode with your friends.
0: Yes, please.
1: So Erin, we will come to the end of our talk. Can you share any advice or wisdom on anything you want to talk about?
0: Oh, you know, in these days, right now with coronavirus, yeah, I think that that what I what I would like to share is something that someone said to me a couple of weeks ago. I actually did a webinar the other; I was in, you know, a, a viewer, and the presenter said, "Don't waste this quarantine," and that really shifted my mindset in that moment. Hearing that, and I just was like, "Yeah, I'm going to commit to myself to make sure that I take this time." how crazy it is to shift to a more positive future mindset and to not waste this quarantine and to do things that I've wanted to do to make commitments to my team. And even personally, I have a little short list of things that I'm now working on personally. And I'm like, now is the time for me to do this. And so I'm making a commitment to grow from this. And I really, I guess if I had advice, I would say, do, you know, if you can, if you're in a position where you can seize this as an opportunity Grow from this experience, prepare yourself.
1: Aaron, I agree. This is a perfect time to walk in, not only your company box, but walk yourself and improve both. Yeah. Aaron, Great. Aaron, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate you being willing to have this conversation.
1: And Enjoy to our too. listeners, thank you for your time as well.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. No.
1: Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you and remember
0: to be great every day. Don't you know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up and don't you know, pump it up. you got to pump it up don't you know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up and don't you know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up and don't you know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up and don't you know, pump it up. you got to pump it up.